0: Like to hear the play the characters that you cheer. join us as we go, go, go below the frame. On this episode of Below the Frame, we're talking with Sesame Street Muppet performer Carmen Ospar. Carmen talks about how she wanted nothing more than to work on the show. And she also talks about Jim Henson and, of course, Rosita. We're also going to learn a bit about Jerry Nelson and hear one of his songs that you probably haven't heard. So let's do it. Let's go below the frame. Go, go,
1: go, go below
0: the frame. Welcome to below the frame. Are you a fan of Sesame Street and the Muppets? Are you fascinated at what's happening under those puppets? And you ever want to sit and talk with one of the Muppet performers? Well, you've come to the right place. Because here on Below the Frame, we do just that. It's like you're in the room with us. Uh, My name is Matt Vogel, and today you're in the room with me and Carmen Ospar, performer of Rosita and Ovajita and Kiki from The Puzzle Place and a whole lot more. Uh, I love Carmen's story because she had a lot of hurdles to overcome to get to Sesame Street, which you will hear about very soon. And we're also going to learn in the show, a little bit about one of my mentors, one of my friends, the great Jerry Nelson. All of that on today's episode. So, there's nothing to it but to do it. Are you ready? I hope so, because I am. <laughs> Let's go Below the Frame with Carmen Ospar. One, two,
2: three,
1: four. Go, 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 be loud.
0: Carmen, welcome, and thank you for being here and talking with me.
3: Oh, thank you, Matt. It's wonderful to be here uh, and and hearing your voice. I miss you.
0: I miss you, too. It's it's, You Uh know, when when we're at work, we see each other all the time.
1: Yeah, yes. We're we're not
0: at work, so we're not seeing each other. That's (laughs) that's okay. Uh, But you know what? I'm going to start way back when you were a little girl. You grew up in Mexico.
3: Way, way back. Yeah, Mexico City.
0: Right. In the south of the city. And uh, you had a family, obviously.
3: <laughs> yes, I was born in a beautiful family. We were four, my parents and an older brother. His name was Emilio, and yeah. my father's name was Emilio.
1: Okay, that's and two Emilios. very
3: original, yeah. Yep. And my mother, her name was Carmen.
0: And your name is Carmen.
3: Yes! Two. <laughs> they, didn't, <Two. laughs> they didn't do a lot of thinking about no, names. <laughs> two Emilios and two yes. uh, Let
0: exactly. me ask you something. Uh, in the Mexican culture, do you have Junior? I mean, or is it, or is it, he was just, your brother was just Emilio. It wasn't he like was Emilio, just Emilio Junior. Emilio.
3: Yeah, huh. I think it's, yeah, no, we don't use that. Just Emilio. I mean, and it, it's it basically tradition the first ones in your family are the names of their parents. I don't ah. think it's like that anymore, but in, I'm old. So ah. in the 60s, you know, that, that was, was the, the thing, way it was, I guess.
0: That was the way they did it. Yes. Tell me a little bit about growing up in Mexico City. What, what did your parents do?
3: Yes, well, my mom was had the hardest job in the world. She was a mom, stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom. Yeah. And uh, so she did everything yeah. and uh, and my dad worked in finances in a bank and insurances and numbers and things that I don't understand <laughs>
0: right but right. he he was he a seemed really man. happy
3: he was a businessman, yes, okay.
0: and what kind of things did you do as a kid growing up in Mexico City?
3: Well, you know like normal things of a kid, but I have to tell you, I grew up maybe in a family of four, but from my mother's side um uh, she had a, a, a two older brothers and mm. she had an older sister and they all had a lot of kids. So in my family, we were all like uh, very together all the time. We You're did a close lot of knit things family. and a lot of kids. So oh, all man. the cousins, I have a lot of cousins my age and my brother had a lot of cousins his age. So we all grew up doing things together, like in the weekends after school. We did. I did a lot of sports and I did a lot of music.
0: What kind of sports did you play?
3: I play volleyball yeah. and tennis, and I was a swimmer.
0: So you you uh, played volleyball, you played tennis, and you were a swimmer. And uh, did you do this like competitively?
3: I did volleyball com- competitively. Yeah, competitive. How you say it?
0: Competitively.
3: Com- but yeah, that competitively.
0: And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> competitively.
3: <laughs> yeah. Competitivamente. That's it. Ah, sí. <laughs> sí, sí. Cómo se dice uh, yes,
0: competitive in vole- español?
3: Competitivo. Competitivo, <laughs> sí. Yes, volleyball I was serious about it. I train, I train most of every day, uh, except Sundays.
0: What age was this? When was this that you were competitivo? Uh, in volleyball?
3: I started in fifth grade and it was fun Whoa. you know it was like here yeah. you know you just play for fun but as as moved to middle school I was in the school team and then high school I was in the school team mm-hmm. and then college I was in the college team so wow I know I that's the reason my knees are so bad right now because <laughs> I I
1: hey, was look, a filter and a spiker so I we live on the floor <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know <laughs> Uh, so you, you played sports. You also said you did music.
3: Yes, I play guitar. And mm. it was funny because my brother had all the music classes. I didn't, mm-hmm. but I had friends and I learned to play the guitar, observing my friends and getting together with them and trying to get the music, um, you know, out of the our favorite songs. We used to try to get them um, in the guitar. In those days, they were not now that you can just look in the computer. Right. Or buy a book, you know, right, and see. Yeah. Now na- there was nothing, so it was us trying to figure it out how to do that. So by ear, yeah, yeah, and it wow. was great. We hours and hours of entertainment and frustration, but yeah. you know.
0: And was until, it uh, was it cl- classical style or was it uh, strum like strumming?
3: Um, no, it was not classical style. It was just like you know the, the our favorite songs on the radio and. Okay. And, and what kind of music were you? And, what
0: kind of music were you listening to back then?
3: Well, I don't think you know these groups. Uh, and that's okay. No, probably, name them. I want
0: to hear their names.
3: If there's people <laughs> over there, old people like me, yeah. <laughs> Latinos, they will know this group, Mosedades. It's oh, a, it Mosedades, a,
0: of course.
3: You heard about Montaneros? No, no. <laughs> silly.
0: <laughs> no, Silly. No, you didn't.
3: But um, there, it was a group from Spain, and they they had these wonderful songs that they really, you know, sounded in my heart, and all the words were like so meaningful to me, and and not just me, but my friends. And actually, and it was so amazing. It was, and I brought all the songs and my guitar to my cousins, oh. and so I had music. Uh, most of every day, and then my brother I was musical too. He played the guitar too, and uh, we used to do like duets. Oh,
1: that's and cool! It was
3: it was good, and it was kind of frustrating because my parents liked to entertain, and they always had people at home, mm-hmm. and we were the show. Like around ten o'clock before we used to go to bed, it's like. Come downstairs and sing those songs to our friends.
0: <laughs> That's uh, nice so we were coming though. in our
3: pajamas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you were kind of performing at uh, yes. an early age, and yes, singing. Yes, I was. And playing not guitar. Thinking,
3: not thinking at all that one day, you know. Uh, yeah. I grew up, I went to an old girls Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, my friends that I grew up with, they're still my friends. Oh, really? They're like family. Oh, yeah, all yeah. of them. We still, you know, chat these days. You know, they're all, all over the world, but but we still talk to each wow. other. And,
0: so you had a, a yeah. very strong bond with them growing up. Yep. At that girls' school, was that uh, kind of the whole, you know, your what is here, elementary and middle school and high school? Was it the whole thing?
3: Yeah, yeah, except college, yeah.
0: Wow.
3: Yep, From I was in that school from third grade to yeah and oh of the high way. school and
0: mm-hmm. then so with the same girls with the same girls, yeah, so I yeah. guess yeah, you did you spent all your time yeah they they're, with they're them. my
3: sisters, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and when you uh w- were you a good student in school
3: mm, yes and no, yes,, mm-hmm. because you know I did well, average right um then I did really well, there was a time that I was, and then in high school, I was interested more in other stuff than studies.
0: Um, (laughs) what kind of things were you interested in boys came along in my
3: life (laughs) and i was doing a lot of sports Ah, i see and but then i ended up okay you know uh yeah college was great i I, I actually i have to confess i didn't finish college i started and i did um three semesters
0: Mm -hmm. where'd you go to where did you go to college
3: I uh, Iberoamericana oh. <laughs> and it's a it's a college in Mexico. I did communications, I didn't finish.
0: Did you know when you went to college or even before when you were in in, in high school, did you think I know what I want to do with my life and did you have an idea what your career path was going to be?
3: Not at all. Um no. I was I was going to college because everybody was going to college. I was right. a little confused. Um, But I was so lucky because, uh, like, you're hearing sports, music, and also I grew up, uh, you know, watching, like, everybody else, The Muppet Show. Obviously, in my case, I grew up watching The Muppet Show in Spanish. Yes. And uh, Plaza Sesamo, no Sesame Street, Plaza Sesamo. And I love The Muppets, you know, but I I I, never— So
0: you knew about them, you knew about The Muppets, and you knew about Jim Henson?
3: I knew about Jim, H- Jim Hanson. I started hearing about him around high school mm-hmm. that uh, and that's because I was um, I was always very curious about how, 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 how that. How do they do that? I mean, do right. they wear them? All the questions that people ask us, I have them. Yeah. And um, a friend of mine went to New York and bought me a book that it was called The Muppet and Man. Of Muppets the and Men. Men,
0: yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's the making of The Muppet Show book. It's a great book.
3: It is a, a wonderful book. But he came with this present. And I remember... You know that was my first like hit of like oh my god <laughs> yeah they they That's do how that they do with, this. They, I was blown away I just couldn't believe it and and as when I saw the face of Jim Henson and Frank Oz and Jerry Nelson and everybody and Richard Hunt I yeah I kind of like you know ate that book every day I was reading it because
0: and th- it was this, so amazing was this after you had watched the Muppet Show or was yes. it kind of, so as a you you watched the Muppet Show. Earlier in life.
3: Well, yeah. Well, high school. I was not that young, you know. Mm-hmm. I was finishing high school. Uh,
0: so they were. It was kind of happening at the same time, where you were watching the Muppet Show, and then you got this book. And whoa, that's how they do that. You're still I had like,
3: no, Good no, luck, I never cont- yeah, <laughs> not even contemplate that, Matt, at all. I mean, uh. maybe it's weird to say this, but I don't think that my life in Mexico at that time as a, a, a female, uh, I don't know. I, I ne- in, in, in Especially growing up, when I was growing up, that was not expected of me being an actress or, you know, I don't. It's funny. I never thought about it at all. Even that I always did it at school. I was in the plays, mm-hmm. not like here that they really have a very good program in arts. We didn't have that. I mean, I grew up in a very academic girls' school, and the art was not there for us. Mm. So I, in a way, now looking back, I always did those things with my cousins and playing and pretending yeah, and
0: and entertaining and, uh, dinner guests and
3: singing <laughs> absolutely all the time. <laughs> and
0: yeah.
3: uh, I mean, it was a time in high school that, like. Group of my friends, we were five girls, that they wanted us to record an an album. Um, They wanted us to make us like a women, you know, group. Mm -hmm. In those days, that was Menudo. Like a female Menudo. Yeah, yeah. You were going to be the
0: female Menudo?
3: Maybe, yes. That's what they want us to do. And obviously, Mm -hmm. all our parents said absolutely not. So why did they say no? Because they didn't want us to do that. And (laughs) in those days, we used to say.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, you weren't going to go against mom and dad, that's for sure. Yeah,
3: and we didn't have that interest either completely. You know, we really right. thought it was awesome, but... yeah,
0: um, Nobody was really so, driven to do that.
3: No. No, so, but I was driven when I saw a, an announcement in my college that they required, and my brother actually reinforced the information that they needed young people to learn how to perform puppets for television, Muppet style.
0: So you saw this ad, and they wanted—they were wanting people to, young people to be puppeteers on a on a TV show. What, what was your reaction to that?
3: Yes, I grabbed the paper and I, oh. I I call and I I went to the audition for the workshop. <laughs> And this is just me with other friends, uh, mm-hmm. another two, three friends, we went to the uh, audition. Yeah. We all speak a little bit of English. The puppeteers, the the person that it was training, the people that were from Texas, I was 18 or 19. It, they had everything for two TV shows. They have puppets, they have producers, they have everything, they were ready to go. Nobody was interested to perform these characters. <laughs> so...
1: Oh, Isn't no. that weird? Yeah.
3: I mean, this is 81, 82. Mm-hmm. So there we are. Um, they select me and uh, another 20 people for this workshop. And I think that was the beginning. For me, it was interesting. It was hard. That workshop was hard. I was petrified. They were all actors. Mm-hmm. And they were serious actors, you right. know. Uh, they had acting background. So for them, improvisation and all that was so easy. For me, that was so difficult. But for me, what it was so easy was when I put the puppet in my hands and I got it and it clicked. It was, it was some connection that I remember thinking, wow, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I love it.
0: Did you love it because it was a challenge?
3: It was such a challenge to bring life to this one expression thing. Yeah. And I remember like moving my wrist and seeing this face coming to life with my movements and, and, and it had so much expression. And was it, were you
0: using a monitor?
3: At the beginning, we were using a mirror and then we okay. moved to a monitor. Yes, But even yeah, seeing but just
0: your, uh, your connection with that puppet, whether it was in a mirror or on a monitor, you were looking at it and you were fascinated by the fact yeah. that you could move the puppet's head in a certain way and it would look like it was m- emitting some sort of emotion.
3: Yes, uh, all the emotions. Yeah. It was interesting just moving it a little bit. and So then I started having the connection with the puppeteering. And all the actors had no problem performing, but they were not communicating it with the puppet. Ah. It was really interesting because the, uh, I think his name was Mark. I remember that he was like, Oh my gosh, look what Carmen is doing now. Carmen, look what they're doing in the performance. They <laughs> so were kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> But at the end, um, they, you know, two weeks of intense work, the they, Americans left. They left a group of puppeteers, and they left me there as a Captain Puppeteer, and I was the youngest oh. one.
0: And so I, now you're, you're on this show. Two, two, two shows. shows. You're on two shows. You're the puppet uh, captain. You've never really done this before except for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, well, how do you – what do you do?
3: Uh, cry. Cry a lot. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Watch a lot of Muppet Show and Plaza okay. and, and, and Sesamo that it yeah. was not enough, really. As you know, you encounter a world that nobody knows, mm-hmm. uh, especially cameraman. And, uh, of course, they left some I- instructions and they build the sets accordingly um, for us to have a place to sometimes... Uh, there, for you to understand, there was a live show every night and it was a game show. And, and that was easier because we were, I was behind like a radio. It was like a radio station, like a this jokey mm-hmm. booth. Yeah. So my character that it was a monster live there. So it was easy. I had my monitor and, uh, the other show was a children's show. It's called the treasure of knowledge and it was amazing. It was so much fun. It was a farm. Yeah. So the farmer and his granddaughter, uh, you you know, used to teach things, and all the animals had all these questions. It was so it's such a great great concept of show, yeah. adorable. A, a lot of kids in Mexico remember that. Well, now older people. How
0: long did that show last, or did both shows? How long did they last?
3: Well, Equisetú, mm-hmm. that was the game show. It was live. It, it was a different game every night. And it was number one for five years. Um, wow. So I worked in that for five years. And the treasure of knowledge, we had like four or five seasons. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's the reason I didn't finish college.
0: Oops, oh, so I well. got so yeah, busy. You, you were See? busy, and, you're, and something that really was interesting you you was, was pulling it. you away. You know, it makes sense.
3: But it was really difficult because I ended up being the only one loving— puppeteering, the actors wanted it to move on acting, but mm-hmm. I keep saying but you're acting, yeah, but we want to f- show our faces, and like this, we're never going to be able to show our faces, so right. they went, they move on to soap operas and I wanted it to learn more and I heard that they were going to redo Plaza Sésamo and some mm-hmm. people from Jim Henson, they were going to go to Mexico and and select some people for. So this Plaza was around Sesamo.
0: 1985, or so. And that
3: was 1983.
0: 1983, and so that, that's when you heard this was going to happen. There was going to be a Muppet workshop, and they're going to. What are they doing? Are they they're they're looking for puppeteers for Plaza Sésamo?
3: For Plaza Sésamo, and uh, a uh, a guy called Kermit Love.
0: Yep, Kermit Love. Uh, yes.
3: Adorable Kermit Love. Uh, I actually. Uh, uh for who well Kermit Love work um with Jim Henson and he helped uh you know design Snuffy and uh he helped Jim kind of redesign Big Bird to yeah. make him look a, a little, little bit, bit better.
0: Prettier, a little bit more like a bird. A little
3: yes, exactly. Fluffier, yeah. And and so and he worked on Sesame Street too. He was part of like, you know, um helping the puppeteers with their acting and and mm. he as you know, he was a character too, like yeah. as human. Yeah. What was what was his uh, name R- of the character? Willy? Was it Willie? Willie, right? I think. Yeah, and had like a hot dog, uh, yes, car or, or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like
0: that. Yeah, yeah, Willie. So have he that went to Mexico.
3: My... I think he was Willie. Yeah, you're so absolutely right. you
0: he went to Mexico. You met him. Now. Yes. By the way, the everything that we're talking about up to now, you, you only spoke Spanish. You did yeah, not speak Yeah, I mean, this is Mexico.
3: English. Completely other country, yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> so when you met Kermit Love, was there an interpreter? How did you yes. communicate? Okay, you communicated through an interpreter, and that's how you met Kermit Love and uh, what did he what, what did he think of your performing? What did he think of what you were doing?
3: he um, the, the interpreter that you uh, mentioned actually mm-hmm. it was a friend of mine that worked in Televisa. And um, he thought um, it was great. He saw the sets. One thing that he couldn't believe it is like something that I forgot to tell you. But all the voices of the characters that I did, because they were male characters, they were made by a voiceover person. So I followed the lip sync for Ah. five years of people, but they were not me. So it was so hard.
0: So none of those voices were you at all?
3: No, there were somebody else's
0: voices, but you were puppeteering Mm -hmm. and you were, and it was, was it, were they live voices or were they live voices, Carmen? That's hard, (laughs) that is very hard to do.
3: And I used to, you know, I know them so well by the end of the fifth, you know, Mm -hmm. we kind of knew each other. And the live show was difficult because sometimes the celebrities that they were invited that used to, you know, you know, try to say something and they have to answer something. I have to answer something. Yeah. But I had, uh, Julio Lucena. That was his name. Um, he was an incredible actor and he did all the voices for the Flintstones, oh. uh, Los Picapiedras in Spanish. Mm-hmm. He was a very famous actor and a very famous voice. Uh, in Mexico, oh. he was so talented and we were so connected and I had him in my ear. Like yeah. you used to have Jerry. Yeah. And so and, you would you hear know, him
0: live, just you know, did you hear him? We take used to a try breath, to do or? our
3: best, yeah. But Kermit was like, What are you guys doing? That you should be doing the voices of your characters, and I'm like, Yes, yes. thank
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what happened uh, at this workshop? Did anything come out of
1: it?
3: He said, Yes, I need you to help me train the people, but I don't need girls right now because the characters for this season. They're just Abelardo, that is the mm. big bird,
1: yeah.
3: and the Grouch. So but we're trying to get, you know, you know, we're trying to definitely get, you know, female characters as soon as we can, but this is just the beginning and um so I kind of like said, Well, where where can I do what I wanna do? And that is my characters and and he said, Well, you know what? We're doing season eighteen right now of Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself in New York, just give me a call and you can come and observe in the studio. So I found myself in New York after a few weeks.
1: <laughs> just <laughs> happened to I be there. And I visit
3: him. Yeah, I just happened to be there. Hi, hello. Do yeah. you remember Hi. the offer?
0: We're going to come back with our interview with Carmen. But right now, let's take a couple of minutes and talk about the late, great Muppet performer, Jerry Nelson. If you don't know who Jerry Nelson was, he, in my opinion, was one of the great unsung heroes of the Muppets. He was a Muppet performer, and he played the Count... He played Harry Monster, he played Biff, he played Sergeant Floyd Pepper of the Electric Mayhem, and Kermit's Nephew Robin, and Lou Zealand, and the Crazy Harry, and Uncle Deadly, and Dr. Julius Strangepork, and Pops, and Camilla, and Maw Bear, and Scred, and Emmett Otter, and Gobo Fraggle, and hundreds and hundreds of one-time characters. And his voice, his voice was incredible. It, it had such texture to it that he he could put into these characters with that voice. And Jerry was also this amazing guy. And I got to know him when I started at Sesame Street in 1997. I did a lot of right hands for Jerry with the Count and Harry and others. And when Jerry, because of health problems, couldn't puppeteer anymore, I puppeteered the Count while Jerry sat just off screen just off screen in a chair there, looking at a monitor, performing his lines with the same gusto that he did when he was under the puppet. Uh, Jerry was on oxygen there, then, and, uh, and, and I wore headphones so I could hear Jerry's intake of breath before he spoke, <sighs> like that. And, and he really, he lived inside my head during those scenes, and, and I, I think that we just we really had this connection. And after Jerry died in August of 2012, his wife, Jan, she sent me a digital folder of a bunch of stuff that Jerry had written. She said, Maybe you'll figure out something to do with these. And I've held on to those writings of Jerry's all this time, never knowing exactly what I could do with them to honor Jerry's memory and his legacy until I started working on this podcast. And so what's in the folder amounts to a bit of an autobiography of Jerry's, I mean, the start of it anyway, and some of it is about how he made his way to Sesame Street, but not all of it has to do with his career as a Muppet performer. Some of it is stories that take place during the 1950s and 60s, and they are all recollections of important events that happened in Jerry's life. Unfortunately, Jerry never recorded his voice saying these stories, but I thought, what if the people that knew Jerry read these for him? So I asked some of the Muppet performers who knew Jerry if they'd consider contributing to this idea of honoring Jerry and reading his words, and unsurprisingly, everybody said yes. So on this episode of Below the Frame, I have asked Stephanie DeBruzzo to be the first to tell one of Jerry's stories that he wrote, and uh, before she does that, she's going to tell us something that she thinks about or she thinks of when she thinks of Jerry Nelson Um. And the piece, that Jer, uh, the piece that Stephanie reads uh, today, I was actually asked to read this piece at Jerry's memorial. And it feels kind of like, to me, it feels like a foreword to this autobiography of sorts that you're going to be hearing on the podcast. You'll see what I mean. So here is Stephanie DeBruzzo.
4: So here's the thing about Jerry Nelson that I love. Whenever anyone brings up Jerry Nelson's name, in any kind of conversation or any context, inevitably, all of us who knew and loved him the way we did will all just have that same kind of sigh reaction and go, oh, Jerry, or Jerry. That says everything. That says everything about the way we felt about him and the way we still feel about him and the way we'll always feel about him. When I was eleven years old, I saw a marionette in one of the display windows of Van Devers Department Store in Tulsa, Oklahoma, while visiting my grandparents for the Christmas holidays. My mother noted my interest, and it was one of my presents that year. It was a twelve to fourteen inch high policeman. I learned to manipulate this, and the following year was given a clown marionette made by the same company. He had a barbell he could do several tricks with, provided the correct strings were pulled in the right sequence. I played with these two puppets off and on for another year or so and forgot about them. My next real experience with puppets came from watching our first television set in 1950. There were lots of puppet shows on early TV. Bill Baird's The Whistling Wizard and Sparky and Heathcliff, Bert Hilstrom's Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, and the Boonan Brothers' Pinhead and Fudini are the ones I recall. Little did I realize at the time that 14 years later, while in between acting jobs, I would audition for that same Bill Baird I watched as a 15-year-old and begin a career as a puppeteer that would span 46 years and have me working with Jim Henson one of the most creative innovators of modern puppetry. Bill believed that puppets touch something in our primitive ancestral memory, dating back to times when we huddled around fires in caves and hunters related how they put on animal skins and fooled the herd enough to make meat for the evening meal. He could well be correct in that, but whatever else puppets do, they awake and delight the child that lives still within our heart of hearts. As we say in my country, puppets been very, very good to me.
0: Thank you, Stephanie, for reading that. That was so great. Uh, We've also got a song from Jerry later on in the podcast. Uh, It's really, it's just so great to hear Jerry sing this, and I'm excited to share it with you. So look for that. But right now, let's get back to our interview with Carmen Ospar. We were talking with Carmen about visiting New York, Kermit Love, and Sesame Street. So and, you, and you uh, met up with Kermit Love, and what did he, what did he do then? Did he-,
3: he, he was going to the set almost most every day. Um, what did he do? It was so funny because actually the first week that I arrived, uh, he told me that that week was dark, but I can go to his studio, and that he had a party that he wanted me to go with him. And he said, it's like a, it's a, a masquerade. I have a mask for you. It's beautiful. Uh, and I was like, w- do I have to dress up? It's like, no, no, just wear whatever, and I give you this beautiful mask. And I'm like, okay. So um, he picked me up. We went to the Waldorf Astoria, and it was like the 100-and-something nights with Jim Henson and everybody else in the world was in the room yeah. and it's when I met Jim Henson and I met everybody else and I just At couldn't believe party. it was it, At party party?
0: Yeah.
3: it was a huge party wow. I mean it was amazing I was a little bit overwhelmed and a little bit of like I don't understand anything and Jim Henson is welcome he was standing up in the door welcome, welcoming everybody and, and that's and, where uh, you met him yeah, Kermit was very particular of introducing me to everybody. Yeah. And it was amazing. He, he was wonderful.
0: Are these the masquerade parties that Jim used to, to yeah. uh, hold? Wear I elaborate masks this... and.
3: Yeah, and I, Andy Warhol was there. I was talking to him.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, really? Who else
1: was there?
3: We, oh my God. I mean, everybody. I mean everybody I, I, I you have to Google I think it was well if you think is the time is what 1980 let's see when I started working with him I think it was 1988 or 89 mm-hmm. and is the night of the thousand stars of the Waldorf Astoria I'm sorry Something Stephanie like Debrusa yeah. must I know know she would know this. who was there yeah but it was funny because Kermit thought that I will be more, ha- more, you know, having fun if I sat down with, with the Henson kids. And he was totally right. I was with Cheryl and I was with John and Brian and, and, um, and it was wonderful. <laughs> I had so ah, much fun.
0: So you had a good time with that. was where you first met them. And, yeah. Uh, so what happened after this party? First of all, where were you staying when you were in New York?
3: Of course. Yeah. As you know, my parents said, you can go to New York by yourself, but you have to stay where we tell you to stay. And I stay in a residence uh, that it was uh, all girls' residence. Mm -hmm. And it was in the Upper West Side. And uh, girls from all over the world, Matt, it was so much fun. They were all actually, it was a time in my life that it was so interesting because they were all, uh, there was four girls from Spain and myself that we had, like, high dreams. And all of them ended up in the New York Ballet or in oh. Alvin Ellie or with Martha Graham, like as ballerinas, like yeah. professional dancers. And I ended up, uh, you know, doing what I wanted to do, too, so... Yeah, and I'm still in contact with them they're amazing <laughs> wow
0: so you you stayed at this uh this residence and then you would go and would you visit Sesame street once the part once they weren't dark anymore when, when they were back in I filming? did
3: I did they allowed me um Kermit told me yeah you know what I introduced you to everybody now the next part is your job you know now you you figure it out uh, I asked permission to John stone if mm-hmm. he allowed me to visit every day and observe the puppeteers. He said, absolutely. I asked Jim Henson if he'll let me observe and he said, oh yeah, come on, on. yeah. Uh, I do Muppet inserts on Mondays and Fridays and the rest of the week, everybody's here. Yeah, come over.
0: Do you remember that first time you walked onto the Sesame Street set? Yes. What was that like?
3: Um, I remember the studio was really dark, really like coming down through a little corridor to open Set, and it was Richard Hunt and Kevin Clash performing these uh, cats. Those, uh, do you remember? They were like twins. Science.
0: Uh, chip and Dip.
3: Chip and Dip. Yeah. And and uh, it was like a Muppet insert. And it was so funny, I thought, because everybody was laughing, but I couldn't understand very well what was happening. <laughs> but I right. do remember... Them getting up and seeing Richard Hunt just got up with a million dollar smile, uh, saw a new face that it was me and he went like, hello, and just came over and introduced himself. And then Kevin say hello too. And, mm. and it was just, it, it was mm, surreal. I mean, yeah. you have to think. I was already 5 years living in a studio in a TV studio. So I was not intimidated about the, the, right, the studio lights thing, and but, the
0: cameras and the yeah, none of that stuff.
3: And I didn't grow up with Sesame Street so the set and it was some Insta day so the set was dark. The mm-hmm. only thing lighted was the the you know the above ground set. Yeah. Uh, but what it shocked me was to see those faces that I kind of read every night in my Muppet and Man book, and yeah. seeing them so welcoming, and so helpful, and so um, wonderful. Uh, Richard was just hilarious. I couldn't understand the thing he said, but I thought he was
0: so funny. <laughs> but you could tell he was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you went to Sesame Street, and you, did you just keep coming back every day just to observe?
3: Well, you know what they gave me a visa for I think it was my tourist visa lasted i think three months is like in those times in those days they used to give you like three months. I saved enough money to stay in the residence like for two months and uh, yeah I, every day every day I went, and every day I learned something well, a lot of more than one thing new. It was amazing to see these guys working and not just that but seeing them doing their character's voice and the whole performance and, and the way that we're connecting with the characters and the relationship between the characters and the relationship huh. between the performers. Yeah. All that I never had, you know, five yeah. years of working, but I never had that. So. D-
0: did you, when you saw them working and they were doing basically what you had been doing, you know, in the same manner anyway, using a monitor and were you a little validated? Were you like, oh, I'm doing it right?
3: Yes and
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> What's the no part?
3: Well, the no part was that uh, the voice, the voices, the voice, right? Yeah, you know, you you know,
0: you had done, and this was a lot of that was kind of, it was just you doing doing it, you know. You well, trying to figure to it, it
3: out. All yeah. the prop stuff, Matt, and all the way the cameras were facing the character, you know, they, they, you know, you know how they do yeah. it. All those things were like, oh, they do that like that. Oh. oh, of course you can use somebody else to pass the prop.
1: Yeah.
3: All the, all the editing, all the, but, all Yeah, everything. but you don't know
0: that if you can't no. see below the frame. <laughs> That's the name of this podcast.
3: Exactly. Below the frame.
0: <laughs> you If you, but you really, seriously, frame, you don't know what. It's so hard to know what's going on. You really have to see it in real life before you go. Oh yeah, that's what they did.
3: Below the frame was amazing. Seriously, that it made me cry every day <laughs>
0: I <bet.
1: laughs>
3: because I thought, oh my god, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's such an it was it was such a magical below the frame too. Yeah. Because so- all the performers enjoy 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 so much what they were doing. Yeah, they the way they prepare before and not just below the frame puppeteers, but every all the crew and everything they were so in tune with and they're so in tune with what they were doing that um, it, it was it, it is flawless and mm-hmm. it was so amazing.
0: So at the end of this time, at the end of your two months, what do you do? You got to go what? home.
3: I didn't want <laughs> right. to I'm like, uh, I would love to stay with them. I yeah. went home. I went home and I went home really excited about, you know, bringing all the things that I learned. And actually we did another TV show at that time. And, um, all the below the frame things that I learned, mm-hmm. they were used. And, um, I was not afraid to try other things, you know, uh, um, that they worked, some some they didn't.
1: Yeah.
3: But but it was in my head that I just wanted it to go back and and work with that group of people so badly because I went back to Mexico again and be by myself. You know, like the only person that I really got the puppets yeah. at that time. Um, yeah. So nobody spoke my language of puppetry and that mm. and <laughs> what I what I did. So, I just went to, went back and I went back.
0: So you went back and you were doing. The, the thing that you had done before kind of enhanced now because you had a new set of tools and information that you had learned after observing on Sesame Street like what were your next steps what did you do then you you well, didn't you wanted to be in New York you wanted to be on Sesame Street but how did you how were you thinking you were going to do that
3: well i i did this TV show in Mexico and i asked Kermit if i was able to go back and season 19 mm-hmm. And uh, to observe for a little while, and he said, "Yeah, I mean, everybody misses you here, so come <laughs> over again." And I did. And probably after the third week that I was there, they were going to have a workshop for you know for puppeteers, yeah. and 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 Jim Henson invited me to be part of that workshop. So, yeah, you know, I remember thinking, well. It's, no, it's going to be impossible, but I want to learn from them. And this workshop is going to help me a lot. And I went in and I remember meeting a girl from Puerto Rico. And I'm thinking, oh,
1: yeah, you know,
3: <laughs> all right, but it's okay. Yeah, but I think that made me feel more relaxed and more comfortable hmm. because, uh, you know, now you have to understand. Uh, you understand this, but I didn't speak very well English. So all these things, I just did them uh, for the love of the art. <laughs> yeah. And I managed to, you know, to. everybody was very patient. The workshop was great. Uh, I think the first day, Kevin Clash and Camille Venora were there. And Jim Henson came at the end. At the end of the week, we were a small group of puppeteers.
0: Do you remember any of the puppeteers that were there at that workshop?
3: Yeah, uh, Joy Mazzarino was there, and John Kennedy, and and that's it. And but, you, yeah, and me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And this whole time, like you said, how are you getting by? How are you s- communicating?
3: Smiling a lot. Yep. Yep. No. And are you?
0: I, were you still? I mean, you had. You said you had like a limited English vocabulary, but you didn't yeah. have a translator with you.
3: No. No, you know, I, some things and that I still do, and you know that, I miss. I missed a lot. Um, now it's better, but in those days I missed a lot. And I remember when they were giving instructions. Um, thank God that there was like a line of puppeteers doing mm-hmm. the, the things because I used to see what they were doing. And I, for emotions and all that, it was obvious what you have to do. Um, I do remember uh, being confused in one of the things that they ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were asking for a song and, and do, like, a, uh, you know, the the exercise that, that you choose the song that you like and do a little choreography. Yeah. And um, they were able to—I I was able to do it better the following day. I didn't understand.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> b- I'm but... so impressed by—you I, I, know, I knew this story, but every time I hear— just like if i didn't know the language, how difficult it would be, and you really have to be super observant. I mean, you just have to kind of really hone in on what it is that people are doing, like you said you did. you kind of stood to the back of the line and kind of
3: oh yeah, <laughs> processed it
0: and then and then did it i'm so impressed carmen
3: but but also, you know what I was really lucky that a lot of people help i mean a lot of people. Um, took their time to be patient, and you guys still do that with me because I still kind of like uh, <laughs> I, again, again. But I'm not. I, I also am not uh, embarrassed anymore to nah. to ask. Can you please repeat it? I I didn't understand, especially when a lot of people are talking at the yeah. same time. Yeah. It's impossible.
0: When you learned English, did you take a class? Did you? How did you learn English?
3: Well, you know what, after the you were asking me, so you went home and what did you do, and one of the things that I did is I took English classes yeah uh, it, but you know what I mean what you can learn in an intensive course of a month, you know, I think the best thing of learning a language is being in the country and 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 not yep. even like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Talking I don't think and... I
3: ever, ever going to lose this accent or me trying to put the words <laughs> in my brain in, in English. Oh, no, that's Spanish. Oh, my God. That, oh well. I well. hope
0: you don't because I love it. It's part of it's part <laughs> of who you are. It's part of who Carmen is. And, and it's a, a, a wonderful part.
3: But part of who I am that is incredible and I always think is that I didn't do it by myself. Because Mm -hmm. in in that workshop, I remember everybody helping, you know. Then starting to work with everybody, everybody helped me. Everybody's been very patient. And uh, if it's not for the kindness of everybody, you know, I will will be back at home.
0: (laughs) Wow. Uh, So you did this workshop. You you made it to the end. And are you going home? I
3: made it to the end. And Mm -hmm. I remember at the end of the—I remember— The end, everybody went home and I remember walking to the subway and floating. I I knew, I knew that something good was going to happen. And I remember like going and looking for a telephone in in every corner in those days, there was a telephone and I collect, call my mom and say, I did well. I think I did well, but I'm feeling so excited. Even if I don't make it, I'm so happy that I did it. Um, And then the following week in the studio, Jim... Jim Henson uh, was there on Monday, Muppet Insta Day, my favorite days, uh, you know, and he called me and he said, hey, um, listen, uh, looking at the tapes and everything, uh, and uh, we're all wondering if you want to be part of our Muppet family. <laughs> like, uh, so, yeah. And, it was and you important. did
0: understand what he said then.
3: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you totally got that. That's and amazing. I got him
3: by surprise because you know he he was kind of shy and quiet, you know. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I remember just jumping into his. I gave him a Mexican big hug, you know. <laughs> I was so happy. He was laughing, so I was. He was so cute. He was enjoying the my yeah. happiness. Yeah, yeah, it was really special. So
0: that meant he wanted you to come and be on Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he did. Uh, what what did your What did your parents think of this?
3: They, they were just so proud. My mom knew how much I wanted this. Yeah. And, um, and she was just so, so, so happy. Obviously, for my mom, you know, my, my dad passed away the year before. Uh, so, sorry. but she, she, yeah, but she was just so, 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 so happy for me. Uh, Even that it meant for me not to probably go back to Mexico. But, you right.
0: know. So, you did, yeah. you had to move to New York.
3: I did, but you know what I did? I, <laughs> I moved to New York for six months. I did the season of Sesame Street, and then I had to go back to Mexico and do, and do my seasons of my two shows.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So I, I went back and forth for three years. And then. Um, well, around what then year I, was this? It was, a let's see, 89, 90, and 91. And then wow. I did Puzzle Play, so I couldn't go back to Mexico. Um, to do the show. So I did it for two years.
0: So you moved to New York when you were doing Sesame Street. And do you remember what the first bit you were in? I know it's so hard to remember what those first bits are because we do so many of them. Or do you remember, was there anything that first season of working there that you were like, oh, I got to right hand Jerry or, you know, like, was there anything like that?
3: There's two things that I remember clearly. I, I... They they put me with Richard Hunt, and mm-hmm. I assist him a lot in the first season uh, that I started working. And I thought it was wonderful. Uh, he was so patient with mm-hmm. me, and then he was not patient, and I love that. He just, <laughs> oh, no, no. But, <laughs> I mean, he didn't stop me because, right. you know, uh, but almost. Uh, but I learned so much from him. <laughs> yeah. And then I was terrified. But I do remember... Um, doing in those days he used to do forgetful uh jones it mm-hmm. was forgetful and there was a lot of moped with them walking into a canteen or opening doors and and
1: yeah
3: i remember being in one of those and thinking oh my god i'm in one of these <laughs> ones i can't believe that i'm opening the doors yeah. oh hi it was so great <laughs> And then the same day, we did a Muppet insert, and they put me in the background of a Muppet insert, and I was just like a person, like a lady, all dressed with uh, Venetian outfits. I don't remember the—I just remember being petrified yeah. uh, in the background.
0: <laughs> scared. Now, why <laughs> were you scared? I want to
3: move a what, lot.
0: What was your no, fear?
3: My fear was to do a bad job, you know, right. or, or—
1: To I fail. No.
3: To fail. I know it's like they hired me. They kind of okay. see me doing something wrong in the background. Right. And they're going to re- return me home. I think also, now looking back, I think the group of puppeteers, they have to, you have to make sure that you fit in with everybody, you know?
0: Right. And They're not just going to um, hand you a character just your first no, day. It's not how you, we do it.
3: Exactly. And they also wanted to see what I, what I was able to give them. Um, it was strange times because jim just passed away in mm. in 90 and that was my first season so um imagine that he tells you welcome to the family you know it was a, a little bit of a long process of me getting my green card mm. um it was you know they always work in other countries and hiring local puppeteers but they never hire a puppeteer from another country to work on on sesame street so right. they were learning about that too and peter shuby the lawyer of a company in those days i had a lot of lunches with him and jim <laughs> trying to figure it out how to get my papers hmm. so while that was being processed i couldn't work
0: we're going to continue talking with carmen here in just a bit but first more on jerry nelson jerry he he wrote all these stories And he had collected them in a document that he called My Funny Old Life. And right at the beginning, he wrote this. I was born in the Chinese year of the dog, July 10th, 1934. So I'm what you could call a crabby dog. I'm loyal, trustworthy, and friendly. But leave me alone sort of thing if you catch my drift. My mother's side grandparents gave me quarters to learn songs when I was coming up. And I think that had a profound influence because I'm still learning songs to this day and will probably continue to do so until the day I die. Years ago, Jerry gave me a CD of demos and recordings that he had made. And I, I think he probably recorded these up at the Cape. Jerry had a place up in the Cape, and he he loved the Cape. And if you have never heard Jerry sing as himself, but just as the Count or some other character, then you're in for a treat. I, I don't know if anybody has ever heard this song before, heard Jerry sing it, or heard this recording of it, but I'm excited to share it with you. So let's take a listen to Jerry Nelson and Go Softly.
2: Go Softly from a quiet time uh, find your thoughts of me to rhyme Never leave our lovely dreams But don't forget they all were dreams man. Feel the morning almost here I hear the rush of lovers near. Love the past, I'm so afraid, but I won't let tomorrow fade. I fear my voice as thin as air. I know you try your best to care. I'd wrap my shadow split in two. Must have been another you. I leave you now, but love is real. I can't express the things I feel I need the time to run away I'll see the light another day Well, let's quit before the last begins You know, the one who smiles is the one who wins Here the circus comes when no one sees I'll let the clowns believe in me
0: Thank you, Jerry. We're going to hear more songs from Jerry and more stories in upcoming episodes of Below the Frame.
1: Go, 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 Below the Frame.
0: Okay, we are back with Carmen Osbar. She was talking about not being able to work on Sesame Street yet because she didn't have her papers. And we are going to pick up with Carmen and a memory about Jim Henson.
3: So, Jim, I remember uh, he invited me one day to see him directing one of the uh, episodes of uh, The Jim Hansen Hour, and he was uh, filming in the 225, and now they call it The Carriage House? The Carriage House, House.
0: yeah. Yeah.
3: And it was uh, an incredible environment because it was like the rainforest, and he wanted me to play this character, because obviously it's a rainforest and they wanted it an accent. And I couldn't work in that project because I didn't have papers. And, and, but I, uh, he invited me to observe. And I was there the two, three days that they record. And I remember being just so happy to be part of the team. Then the time went on and they sent me to Mexico to pick up my papers. So I was in Mexico um, going to the American Embassy to fix everything, and I received a call from Kevin saying that Jim passed away. Mm. I actually, before I went to Mexico, I went to say goodbye, and I walked into his office to say goodbye and. I remember it was the last time I saw him, and he was having a meeting with George Lucas,
1: <laughs> oh, really? and
3: he just like come over, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh. I was very, very timid. Just say goodbye, and that was the last time I saw him. and And he was horrible because the news got me. It was really sad. Yeah, I couldn't believe that he was gone. I really, I think, like everybody, I was. In shock, I remember getting my passport and going to the airport that day with a bag i don't remember remember what I put and I flew to New York that same day um mm. and yeah it was it was it was not not uh it was very difficult
0: yeah, I'll bet i mean so you you came to New York though and mm-hmm. you went to jim's memorial
3: yeah um yes, yes, we were all there actually it was um it was really sweet because Joey Massarino and myself we were the youngest puppeteers we were just working there for a, officially for a few months and um and everybody welcomed us to the group and w- Joey and I we were going to sit down with everybody and uh, they grabbed us and they put us in front with them and they said no you guys you sit down here so it was it was just so it was hard because I don't think I remember I was just crying the whole time. I uh, I mean, it's hard for me even to think about that day. But yeah. Joey was the same. We were so devastated, you know. Such yeah. a dream come true and then our our leader, our yeah. mentor
0: I know, I mean sorry I that I
3: cry. I it's just I remember that day and it's so hard. I thought, you know, I I was really devastated, and for me, it was like, should I leave my country and my home with no with no Jim Hanson anymore? Mm-hmm. But but seeing everybody, you know, and 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 the strength of of Jerry and Frank and everybody else and mm. and the love is I and I felt so much part of the group at that time that I just you know I thought, okay, you know, I have. I have more mentors. <laughs> yeah. And um, we did the Jim Henson, the Muppets Celebrate Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. And I think that moment for me was the moment that I thought, okay, no, I'm staying. I'm definitely. And I do want to share. Um, I really want to be part of a group of people that they share Jim's vision and, and legacy.
0: <laughs> and so you were, you were part of the Muppets Celebrate Jim Henson special.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was. What, what was
0: it like on that set? Was it you know business as usual? How we're always goofing around, or was there a weight? Was there a feeling of heaviness on the set? Do you remember?
3: I I remember heaviness, uh, and I remember uh, joking, <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
3: and I remember a lot of love, and I remember um, we have to stop a few times. Yeah, because it was hard um and I I remember when we were you know just to uh we I personally and I know that everybody was feeling the same I was not looking forward to see Kermit (laughs) and I didn't know how I was going to react but it's actually it was really nice and we were all I, I was surprised that we um the sense of community and family and 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 love and support with each other. It, it was actually healing. I, I, it was important for us to do that special. I yeah. mean, if I was devastated, I, I, I was just thinking, wow, I cannot even imagine all these people that they spend years and years with this incredible man. And I just know him for a few years and, and I am lost. And so...
0: Yeah. It was yeah. It was a it was a tough tough time, I think for the company and really- to try to figure out what they were for both Sesame Street and for both, you know, for Jim Henson Productions. I think it was really hard to figure out what they were going to how they were going to carry on, but you know, you you got to look to your people that are still around and, and
4: the yeah. performers
0: yeah. and the writers and the producers and everybody that's involved, you know, lifting everybody up to con- to continue to move on. And, that's what and I think do.
3: Jim, Jim wanted us to keep going. Yeah. You know that that feeling too of like we have to keep this yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I, 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 yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: so, yeah, from there, you mm-hmm. came back and did a you you did your first season of Sesame Street.
3: Yes, and, well, then yeah, the season and then thinking, um, I had a few conversations, not a lot, with Jim about a character for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I um, talking to the head writer in that time was uh, Norman Styles, mm-hmm. and John Stone, and Kevin Clash helped me a lot too. And then Ed Christie was there from the workshop with the designing part. Mm-hmm. And I remember we have a few meetings, and we were trying to figure it out something. They knew. <laughs> now looking back, I know that they knew that they will have some. Obstacles with me because of the language. I think it was a learning experience right. for everybody uh, to figure it out where mm-hmm. Rosita will fit in. I mean, it was going to fit in, but you know, how to right. make it easy for me and, and for them. And, um, but when it was great, they asked me, uh, well, what do you want? <laughs> I mean, when Bird, like a monkey, you know, like a donkey. I mean, I don't know what you want to... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really? I can choose whatever I want? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be your character in Sesame Street, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I wanted to be a monster. I always wanted her to be a monster.
0: <laughs> My yeah. character,
3: you know. And, and was and it the uh, idea
0: was, did somebody come up and say, well, what if it's a little girl monster? And, you know, she's... That was me. Was I you? want a
3: little girl monster. Yeah. Absolutely. I wanted uh, to be colorful and mm-hmm. and fluffy and a little belly and, you know, I was doing <laughs> all the, uh, a yeah. little flowy and movement and, uh, but that was just the physical. And I thought, I don't, I personally wise, I just want her to represent my, you know, my country, you know, a happy, friendly, full of life and personality, Mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, colorful thing.
0: (laughs) And so they started, you know.
3: Yeah, they started figuring out.
0: And then finally they presented, I mean, how many different iterations? Were they like, you saw the first one, you're like, that's it. Or were you like, "Uh, it's a little different.
3: Uh, No, Ed Christie uh, was amazing because he was there in the the talks and he started drawing (laughs) right away. And he presented the first one, and I remember, uh, love the color, and it was like the same color, turquesa. Mm-hmm. And, uh, maybe I didn't wanted it, you know, that skinny, you know, I, yeah. they present like, and I wanted it with, you know, cuddly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so he just added a little belly. Uh And he put these wonderful uh, arms—I always talk with my hands, and I think that inspired him to put this, you know, make the puppet know uh, I wanted it life hands, too. Mm -hmm. So they make these beautiful wings because he thought, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, like those flamenco dancers uh, or— and yeah, like a flowy with, blouse. Like a flowy blouse, and if yeah. she goes like that, it will land beautifully. Now I don't have them. But I know.
0: I, one of my questions was, "What happened to her wings? What What I, happened? I
3: don't know. Did you just I, come
0: back one season and they were gone?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no they explanation. Told me, in those days, Louis Bernstein was the, our producer. Yeah, I love Louis, but yeah. they they just gave me the news they that they didn't think they look good.
0: <laughs> Huh. Oh my God. I wonder, um, you know, maybe you know, we can just say that at a certain uh, time <laughs> in a young monster's life, the they, they grow, they lose their wings.
3: Uh, oh, that's what they said. Well, maybe they—they. They, I don't think. So. I don't know. They thought they. She's the he same. She's good. the same
0: age every year, anyway. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really track.
3: But practically, you know <laughs> that uh, my head. Yeah. Because now the design is different. Yeah. Is for me. I'm working always like both yeah, you have your arms. your head and to the wing. side, and oh.
0: but with those wings, it kind of provided a little bit of uh, cover. cover.
3: <laughs> I remember I how Velcro here and yeah. Velcro. Remember? Yeah, yeah. You just well, Velcro not Right in the front
0: of your of your mic. Ah, yeah, I know. Now she does. My have
3: head, no head wings. is everywhere.
0: Uh, tell me Rosita's full name, please.
3: Is and this is Sonia Manzano because she wrote a script that uh, she had to, and we do that in Mexico. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I can tell you, I'm going to tell you Rosita's name, uh, Rosita, la monstruo de las cuevas.
0: Rosita del monstruo de las cuevas.
3: La monstruo de las cuevas. The uh, yeah, the monster Tresa. of the caves. She's but the actually, monster. las cuevas, it's, a, it's an, actually a last name. Um,
1: oh.
3: But the thing is, we all, in Mexico or in Latino countries, we say, we're very proud to say all our names. Yes.
0: I mean, you have a very long name.
3: Yeah, my parents, I'm telling you. And I thought it was a joke all my life. But, <laughs> but it's when not, I a saw...
0: it no. not a joke. It is not a joke. So what is your full name, Carmen?
3: My my full name, and listen to this, <laughs> everybody. On. And I want you to repeat after me. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen Mercedes Guadalupe de la Santísima Trinidad. That's my name's Osvar Vertis. <laughs> so we have to say everything. Carmen Mercedes Guadalupe de la Santísima Trinidad, Osvar Vertis. Uh, yeah, yeah, how, uh,
0: how, it is. How, how fast can you say it? Say it as fast as Carmen you can. Carmen
3: Mercedes Guadalupe de la Santísima Trinidad. <laughs> <Oswald Bertis. laughs>
0: oh, good.
3: No, What's really, nice? I really oh. thought they were joking. Because my mom, every time she got upset with, uh, with me, and yeah. she used to call me, when Your she used name? to say, Carmen Mercedes Guadalupe de la Santísima Trinidad, come right here. I'm like, oh. oh, my God, I'm in trouble. And my brother was Emilio Ricardo Mauricio Vicente.
0: It's not Cronus. as long. It's I not as long to... though.
3: No, it is. is Emilia Ricardo Mauricio Vicente, they're the same oh, okay. number All
0: of right, names. Right. Maybe okay, maybe. It's... Yours just sounds a lot more <laughs> flourishing or the la something. <laughs> <Trinidad>. The Santísima Trinidad.
3: <laughs> Santísima Trinidad is like the, the Trinity, the, the same the, uh, the Saint Trinity. Oh boy. That's I a long know. name.: but
0: you were like that's not it's a real so name. And then how do you know that it's not that a it's, real
3: name? How
0: did you know that it was a real name?
3: When I saw my baptism um, thing,
0: yeah, your it's like cer- certificate. They, my,
3: my certificate of baptism. There are all the names written there. I'm like, <laughs> it's not a joke. <laughs> oh man, Holy moly! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh boy.
3: <laughs> Thank God. See, like you know, the, by but the government. I'm just Carmen Mercedes. Yeah. So that's it. But yeah, yeah. but <laughs> religious one, it's a lot of names. It's bum.
0: a lot of names. I
3: don't uh, know
0: why. I don't either. So you perform Rosita, you know, since what season did she debut? 20-something, Tw- 20, 20... I think it was 23, 23,
3: right? Or 22. I think 23. 23. 22 or 23,
0: okay. yeah. And she's been, she's you know, been around for a, a few years now. We're at 50, we've just finished shooting season 51.
3: 50, I don't know
0: how many years are those. You do the oh, math. That's a lot. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm lazy. I'm terrible. It's 28 years. Something. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's a
3: lot of years, and I'm so happy. You know, I'm so proud. I know, you know, Rosita was. I think it's uh, it's um, it's a work of love from everybody. Like I said before, I think uh, it was the first time for Sesame Street to have a performer from another country. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always being very supportive, um, but not just with me, but with the idea of showing kids that you can do it, whatever your language, whatever. So I learned so much stuff from, from, Mm -hmm. from everybody, you know, and I'm proud that, that Rosita is made it. I know that it's, it it is hard because I'm not the stereotype, or maybe I am the stereotype of, a. I um, I remember at the beginning and this is below the frame things. Mm -hmm. They used to tell me if I could do something like Ricky Ricardo, but I didn't grow up with Ricky Ricardo, right. and yeah. I don't hear an accent because I don't hear accents.
0: <laughs> That's right. So yeah,
3: I was like, "I'm sorry, but who's Ricky Ricardo?" Uh,
1: yeah, they just and, assumed um, you knew.
3: I, of course, um, and probably if I so now looking at the now watching the show, I think right. it's hilarious. Um, but I don't hear an accent. No, oh,
0: then why would you? Uh, so when you were creating Rosita, what what do you? And, and with any characters that you create, what do you think is the most important thing when you're creating a character?
3: Oh, gosh. Well, just to give them—you um, know what? And I, that, that was a learning experience. With Rosita, I was in panic. You know, it was my first character. <laughs> yeah. And it was a big thing, you know. And um, I remember Kevin Clash was so sweet. And he said, I need you to write down a bio of Rosita— and what is her mission? What is her mojo? What is what it drives her? Mm-hmm. Um, so I start putting all these things. Then and then you you go to the studio and you try to apply this to the scripts that you get, right? And yeah. there's always something. So f- for me to be comfortable with my first character, and I'm coming from a background that I never did any characters. Mm-hmm. I just follow the voices of somebody. Yeah. Um, it's funny, but I thought about uh, about an aunt, uh, a tía, an aunt mm-hmm. of mine in Mexico,
1: yeah.
3: and she. Um, it, it was a combo between her and my best friend. Um, <laughs> my best friend always grew up in a big, huge family. She was the oldest of a lot of siblings. <laughs> and um and my aunt was always like the welcoming person like always cooking and but when she got upset it was like runaway <laughs> you know she had like a very strong character and so i combined them both and i sort of see it like that like coming from a big family yeah. being the oldest and having you know when you're the you're the oldest right
0: yes i mean of your yeah. family yeah so but i only have one brother
3: yeah. So I mean uh, I, I can't imagine, imagine
0: how many Rosita how many siblings does she have?
3: I imagine that she will have like five or six under her. So it's
0: a big it's a big family and she's kind of the she's the top yeah, dog. Yeah. And, and that
3: gives you a little caves. bit a little bit of uh security and yeah. independence in a way because you got to, you know, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> so um th- that's what I saw her,,
0: <laughs> and that's what you kind of put into your performance of her as your your Tia and your best friend. You kind of yes. meshed them, and that was who you kind of eventually molded into
3: molded this into what character. it is now, yeah and uh, but what what I thought that I use everything I learned was with Ovejita. because Ovejita, even that's a simple character mm-hmm. and she doesn't have a lot to do. I remember learning from all of you guys, huh. you know, what you do with your characters and how you prepare for the Muppet inserts. And it's more than just trying to think about a personality. It's just to give the characters something that um, is just, you know, um, specific and particular. And I remember Novajita really... You remember, you were there the first time I put a heat in my hand. Yeah. And I didn't have a lot of information. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But but I do remember.
0: She's a little lamb, speaks Spanish, plays games. And she laughs.
3: Yeah. Well, no, actually, that laugh came because. You remember, there was nothing.
1: No <laughs> there's nothing else no. there. <laughs> yeah. so,
3: but that's what I thought, is like, what can I give this character mm. when there's not a lot than just running in, running out, scratching, something that it will give her, uh, you know, like they will know that she's coming, mm-hmm. or they will know who she is, and it's just that silly, stupid laugh
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> that then brought other stuff, but, you know, I... Yeah. Um, I don't know. She it gives her go. this
0: little air of uh, uh, playfulness, a little yeah, de- like a little devilish—not devilish, but you know, like a it's just like a little. She's. she's I,
3: loves she to play. She was torturing Murray all the time. <laughs> I love that. And I could see devil. her planning, yeah. <laughs> planning all those games and.
0: Yeah. Uh, and you are very so. funny, Carmen. Oh
3: man, you're a very well, funny
0: for, performer. In fact, one of the funniest things that I've seen you do. <laughs> I've told you this before is that we did – do you remember when Frank Oz came to the set and it was not Mm – we were not shooting that day but he was going to do like a day on on character. Remember he was talking about characters and it was just us. It was all the (sighs) Muppet performers were there and he was talking about characters and he talked about you know looking at the puppet and it kind of feeds you and you you kind of get a character. And then we started doing these improv moments and it was uh, – Frank was playing the boss, and we were going to come in as characters and do uh, a job interview with him.
3: Job interview, yes, it's true.
0: And you picked a little, like, they're called little pinks, they're the little ones, it's like Prairie Dawn, very small puppets, little tiny little hand puppets. And you came in, and you had made the very bold choice of only speaking Spanish. (laughs) And but rapid fire Spanish. So
1: yes. when
0: you came in and Frank was like, well, hello, have a seat. And what's your name? You just like can you were just nonstop Spanish hilarity. And it just and Frank was uh, beside himself. He didn't know what he didn't know what to do with <laughs> you. It was really funny, Carmen. It was hilarious.
3: Oh Matt. well, that was such a great day i was I was as you know because you were in the line probably of improvisers there we were like so scared, oh yeah, you know it's because it was like Frank <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: oh, I know what oh yeah.
3: uh, and but he is amazing because he, you know, he yeah. feeds you too. I mean, it's important to have the other person to
0: Yeah, it was great. To give you guys you were something great to scene do. partners. Thank you, you. were really good scene partners. And, um, Thank you so much. So I don't want to – that was a little sidetrack I just thought of just now. Because I want to continue talking about Rosita a little bit. You know, Sesame Workshop has a military families initiative. And Rosita was featured prominently in, in some videos that we made. And they were really – it was really important – for you, that was a really important part for for Rosita to be in.
3: Yeah. You well, know? yes. I mean, all this work, you know, no, all of us, you know, that we are part of these projects is so incredible that we get to do what we love to do, and we really help all these, you know, incredible families. For me, it was interesting because when they asked me, mm-hmm. you know, when they told me that I was going to do that, Rosita' dad was going to be in a wheelchair, and I read the script. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't stop crying, you know, because yeah. thinking of a kid going through what Rosita was going to go through. Um, and it really, it really got me. And I thought, Oh my God, I, you know, you always think about the military families or, or families that they're going through changes. Yeah. And it never hit me until I felt it through Rosita. Uh-huh. And it really shocked me, you know. So when we did that video, um, well, it was really tough. I yeah. I, th- I thought, you know, and, you know, I was kind of like my, my son, Alex, was at that time seven mm-hmm. or eight, and we were going through different changes at home, too. So it really not just helped me with the things that we were going as a family, but I saw how much we were helping military families and other families dealing yeah. with changes. So that completely um, made me fall in love with the military families but yeah. because I had a lot of contact with, with a lot of uh, military and we were going to the Pentagon all the time. and yeah. and, and these people are... You know,
0: wonderful and (laughs) And loving. And and if anybody hmm. is going to address those very specific issues that military families have, Sesame Workshop, Sesame Street can do that so well because of their visibility and because they have a really strong voice. A very kind and compassionate voice, but this is really specialized on military families or whatever our other initiatives might be. You know, food insecurity or incarceration, incarceration, or yeah. any of those. You know, divorce, any of those kinds of really important issues. And Sesame Workshop can do that like nobody else can.
3: I know it, it is. I'm so proud of the work that that we do with them. They're yeah. they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a great. It's a great opportunity to yeah. to help yep.
0: Yeah. so Carmen I'm now going to ask you some oh, rapid no. fire questions Woo! Okay? okay ready so it, get ready you, oh you, my you gosh know, just whatever comes to the top of your your head or whatever you think all right are you ready
3: I am ready <laughs> Mr. Vogel okay
0: here we go what is the hardest part about being a puppeteer
3: uh, speaking the language <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the easiest part?
3: Uh, being with my friends.
0: Ah. What is your biggest strength, do you think, as a puppeteer or a performer?
3: Oh, gosh, my strength. Uh, singing.
0: Oh. What is your biggest weakness? Everything. <laughs> no. Okay, what's one of your favorite <laughs> things about being a Sesame Street Muppet performer?
3: My favorite things? Oh, my God, Matt. My um. Just share my days with you and everything. Yeah. I, I okay. don't
0: know. No, it's good, that was good. No, just the whole whatever thing. Yeah, whatever you whatever comes to your mind. If you weren't a puppeteer, what would your career be right now?
3: Wow. Well I never thought about anything else. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe I'm a, a, a girl menudo? Oh yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be in the girl I don't menudo.
0: Know. Except after a certain time, you can't be in the girl menudo anymore because
3: you have (laughs) a very
0: short amount of time.
3: I I never thought about that. I mean, I really I left when I didn't know what I was going to be. And then I found it and I never thought about anything. Never
0: looked back. Okay, all right. Fine. Okay, there are probably people listening who want to hear you tell them what they need to do to become a Sesame Street Muppet performer. What would that be?
3: Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> good, good. Observe and be a very observant. Yeah. Because, I, yeah, I mean, I remember Jim and, and Kermit used to send me to the Central Park uh, Zoo to observe people and animals. It was so funny, but they, they did. Yeah. And is to be a very well observant.
0: <laughs> good, good. Okay. What is the best piece of advice that you've gotten during your career?
3: Wow, there's so many though. Actually,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, probably the f- the best one is to have fun yeah. because you forget you you forget to have fun and you are so into your head of yeah. what you're going to do that if you don't have fun, whatever all the other av- advice that I can tell you right now, it will not work.
0: Yeah, so yeah, that's have good. fun and that's good.
3: follow your instinct. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I mean, you know this. Jerry Nelson is very special to both of us, to all of us, really. But um, Yeah. He said to me once, Sesame Street is great, but always have something that is your own that you can say is yours that you create. So, Carmen, what is that mm-hmm. thing for you?
3: Well, for me, it's music. But mm-hmm. I have to confess something. I always had it. But I have a few years that I'm not been able to do a lot, <laughs> because my thing is my son, you know, and yeah. my family, yeah but uh, but for me, that other part was music. Notice as, as as you you do a great job with that advice, and I know that you have you had your group and you write music and you do your music. I just like to listen and and play the guitar. But
1: that but
0: that is perfectly. Valid. That's the
3: best advice ever from Jerry.
0: Yeah, you got to have that one thing that's yours.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, Carmen, thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, I love. I, I am Mads. so impressed by you, and always, whether it's you know just your performance or, uh, your story. And I'm <laughs> so lucky that you're my friend.
3: Well, uh, the same. I always say that, Matt, um, we're lucky to have uh, such a nice family yeah. chosen family. We are. And thank you so much for having me. I, I, I wish the best to everybody that they're listening and, um, thank- follow yeah. your dreams. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. <laughs>
0: I love Carmen. She's a good buddy of mine. Uh, Well, that's Below the Frame for today. Connect with us online at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Below the Frame. Our show was produced by me with editing assistance from Jared Fairclough. The theme song was written by Stephanie DeBruzzo and performed by the Mighty Weaklings. Our podcast artwork was created by Dave Holteen at DaveHultinDesign.com. Special thank you to Jan Nelson for giving us Jerry's stories and to Stephanie DeBruzzo for sharing her memory and reading one of those stories today. Thank you, Carmen Ospar, for letting me talk to you. And thanks to you, the fans, for listening. I'm Matt Vogel. We'll see you next time when we go Below the Frame. Bye. Go,
1: go, go, below the frame.